This sermon, to be continued, was preached by Derek Overstreet on Sunday, February 26, 2023, at Sovereign Grace Church. Would you open up your Bibles to Acts 28? Wow, the last sermon in Acts. This morning we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 31. Next week we, we will begin with our seven shared virtues. If you're not quite sure what that means, you can look on our website or you can just come next Sunday morning and uh, we will begin to unpack those. But, but today we look at the final act in the book of Acts. So would you stand with me? We're going to read verse 11, chapter 28, verse 11 to the end together. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang, and on the second day, we came to Piatioli. There were found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they had heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I ask you, I ask to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, For with regard to this sect, we know that everything or that everywhere it is spoken against. So when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers, to Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed." lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. 
He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Maybe seated. Please pray with me. Lord, so many weeks we have gathered in this room at this same time on this same day and you have spoken to us. You have convicted us. You have encouraged us. You have strengthened us through the book of Acts. And indeed, you have one more sermon, one more passage, one more story. And so let us not check out. Let us not feel as though we have received all we can receive from the book of Acts for you are not done with us yet. And so we yield our hearts in humility and we ask that you continue your work in us through the early church in which you so powerfully worked. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have spent 14 weeks, or 14 weeks, 14 months in the book of Acts. And I think you would agree with me. We have been witnessing non-stop action. I mean, Acts is packed. It, it, it is non-stop, at times on the edge of your seat, action. I mean, just think about how this book began in chapter 1. Jesus, with his disciples, suddenly he physically, not metaphorically, not symbolically, he physically ascends into the skies and disappears in the clouds. And as the disciples stand there, suddenly two angels appear and say, what are you looking at? <laughs> I've been like, well, what do you mean, what, what am I looking at? Not too long after that, the Holy Spirit descends visibly onto the 120 that were gathered in a small room. The disciples break out in tongues. There's mass confusion, and Peter steps in with a gospel clarity, perhaps, that we don't see anywhere else in the New Testament, and thousands of people are saved. We heard about it this morning, Acts 2, this new creation, this new group of people now devoting themselves to one another. You know, they, they haven't known each other for very long, but what they know is their lives have been transformed. Christ is now at the center. As you keep on going, the miracles, resurrections, healings, amazing things happening. Hard things happening, imprisonments, executions, persecution like we've never known, and I hope we never know. Amazing conversions, not just in numbers, 
but an Ethiopian eunuch (laughs) reading Isaiah 53 gets saved and takes the gospel to Africa. A wealthy businesswoman gets saved. A, A despairing jailer who's ready to take his own life hears the gospel from his prisoner and he gets saved. And oh, by the way, the great destroyer of the church, Saul himself, comes to know Jesus. We have been, uh, Saul, uh, let's, not, let's not forget the shipwreck, right? The last few chapters, shipwrecks, storms, snake bites. So I, I think it's understandable if we get to the end of Acts and we look at our text and we go, well, this seems a bit unremarkable. (laughs) The book that began with Jesus physically ascending into heaven ends with an aging apostle paying his bills and sharing Christ with whoever will come to see him. I read the ending of, of Acts, and I think, what a, well, Luke, what about standing before Caesar? What, what, what about Paul's release? What about Paul's execution? What about the church in Rome? And by the way, while we're at it, whatever happened to Peter? Can you give us a little something? What happened to Peter? Come on, Luke, finish the story. But I think that's the point. The end of Acts doesn't reveal the end of a grand story. It reveals an unfinished task. You see, Acts focuses on Peter and Paul, but the story is not about Peter and Paul. It's not not even ultimately about that first century church. Acts is about the unstoppable gospel advancing in the power of the Holy Spirit through the church's courageous witness to the ends of the earth, to the praises of God's cosmic and eternal glory until his son returns. And guess what? Jesus has not returned yet. And that means this story is not finished. I love what Derek Thomas says. He says, Lucas has finished his story, but the story has not finished. There is an unwritten to be, continu- to be continued in the progress of the gospel. It is so true. What God began before us, he is still working out through us until he comes back for us. That, that's what we see as we get to the end of Acts. That great promise, Acts 1.8, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. It doesn't just belong to these first century believers. It belongs to me. It belongs to you. It belongs to us as a church. Our mission, our purpose continues what the Lord began in the first century into your neighborhoods, into your schools into your workplace and hangout spots, into your classroom and the field of competition. We are the to be continued in the book of Acts. 
you know, we decided to preach through Acts so that our exposure to the power of God to build his church would fill our minds and hearts with hopefulness for our own spirit-empowered gospel mission as a church. And as unremarkable as this final scene may seem, it gives us even more reason to be hopeful. In fact, I would submit to you some of the most exciting and hopeful words and acts are right here in this seemingly unremarkable ending. As we read, you probably noticed in verses 11 through 16, Luke describes the final leg of Paul's trip to Rome. Storms, shipwrecks, and snake bites. And now in verse 14, finally, it's hello, Rome. We are here. According to verse 17, Paul, when he gets there, he immediately goes to work. Verse 17 says, three days. He doesn't even get settled in. Three days after being in Rome... He asked to see the local Jewish leaders to to explain what he has been through on the account of the Jews. You'll notice in verse 17, he says, listen, I am innocent of the accusations by your leaders. And then in verse 18, he says, and the Romans agree with me. They wanted to set me free, but I appealed to Caesar. And then in verse 19, he says, and listen, despite my innocence, I did not counter with charges against the Jewish leaders. You know, right up front, I I think Paul just wants to clear the air. He has made it to Rome. I think Paul say, listen, I'm just going to try and eliminate as many hindrances to my ministry, as many hindrances to the gospel as possible. And I'm just going to square up with these guys. Just say, hey, this is what has happened. And it wouldn't surprise me if Paul had a little attitude of, so would you guys just leave me alone? (laughs) Let me do what God has called me to do here. Now, in verse 21 and 22, Luke tells us that Paul's situation actually surprised them. They hadn't heard anything about it. Did you notice that? They said, well, we didn't know any of that. (laughs) Nobody's told us. But they had heard about his message. They had heard about the way, the church, They had heard about Christianity, and so they said, we do want to hear from you, though, because everything that we hear about what you're about is not good. And so, and so, they set up another meeting, and while so much has changed over 2,000 years, in this meeting, we find the core of our mission remains exactly the same. Look at verse 23. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, and others disbelieved. Three things this morning, if you're taking notes. Three things that remain. Three three things that we have in common with what was going on in the book of Acts that we've been looking at for the last 14 months. That should give us great hopefulness 
for our own mission as, a, as an extension of the mission in Acts. We preach the same gospel. Our preaching has the same results. And ultimately, we share the exact same mission. Let's look at this first one, the same gospel. Did you notice in verse 23, Luke says that Paul preached from morning till evening. Morning till evening. Now, I know I can go long, but I'm pretty sure I've never went from morning till evening. Could you imagine what this would have been like? I'm sure Paul got interrupted more than once, but what a sermon. What a day this must have been. Paul, Paul preached from morning till Till evening, all day long, he was connecting the dots between Judaism and Jesus, between the Old Testament scriptures and the Messiah, the promised Messiah. Notice what he does in verse 23. Luke says that Paul was expounding, he was explaining how Jesus is the promised messianic hope who came to provide what the law could never provide, full and final forgiveness of sin and righteousness that leads to everlasting life. That's the things, that's the stuff of the kingdom of God. That's what Paul was talking to them about. He testified to the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of Christ in the, in the hearts of his people and, and how the church was being established. How? In the person and work of Jesus, not in the synagogues, not through the Mishnah, not, 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 not through sacrificial systems, but through Jesus. Verse 23, Paul, Luke says, Paul, Paul tried to convince them. He tried to convince them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Guys, Jesus fulfilled the law. I'm not against the law. I'm just against the law saving people because Jesus fulfilled the law. He defeated Sin and death with his life and his own death and his resurrection. You know, this is exactly how Jesus sought to persuade. Remember the road to Emmaus? They didn't know who he was. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he began to connect the dots of himself to their scriptures, to their theology. Paul tried to persuade them that knowing and loving and worshiping God isn't about being a Jew. It's about faith in Jesus because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, even the Jew. And now Jesus has come and made a way for the Gentile as well. Paul preached the gospel like that all day long making connections, no doubt, telling him, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy. Because it talks about someone dying on a tree. And it is a different time today. We are different people. We live in a different culture. 
it is a different setting. But it's the same gospel. It's the same message that we proclaim with our lips and demonstrate with our lives. This church, new members, be assured, the church you just became a member of is built on the same foundation that the church in Acts was built on. Our hope is the same hope. It's a divine hope in the resurrection power of Jesus that was proclaimed 2,000 years ago that we proclaim today. That has not changed. We get to the end of the story, that has not changed. How hopeful is that? To know that Paul's message is our message. Paul's message. Spirit of God speaking through the message of the gospel that did so many amazing things and acts is the same message that we have today. I think, I think too often it's, it's tempting for us, isn't it, to think that we need a new perspective on life. We need something fresh. We, we need a new message. We, we need a new approach that somehow our culture and the gospel in Acts, it's just not going to work. And while certainly I, I would submit there's a place to, for gospel contextualization, let's not contextualize Christ right out of the gospel, right? Do you agree? It seems crazy, but it happens. And no church is, is immune to it. We want a new approach. But the truth is, and you've heard it from this pulpit so many times, you'll hear it so many more, we don't need something new, do we? What do we need? We need something true. We need something true. And that something is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation that day and it is today. Don't, don't you love to turn the page of your Bible forward, just one. What do you see? Romans 1. I love that. I love that Romans immediately follows Acts because it's like, okay, it's all about the gospel, and so we're going to make sure we get the gospel right. It's the first thing we're going to do. And 16 verses into Romans, what do we read? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God's salvation for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. It's about the gospel. The power of God unto salvation is found in a message that is embodied in a man, Jesus Christ. And that hasn't went anywhere. The question is, have we went somewhere in our thinking, in our confidence, in our model, in our approach? I remember a number of years ago, somebody told me that they ran into somebody on the east side, 
And they were talking about where they went to church. They said Sovereign Grace Church. And they said, oh, that's the serious church. <laughs> I said, well, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't want to be known as the serious church. I don't want to be known as the church that really takes politics serious. I don't want to be known as the ch- I don't want to be known by our by our family's choices of educating their children. I, I don't want to be known by the degree in which we are out in the community. I don't want to be known as a church by how much attention we give to the poor. Now, all those things, nothing wrong with them. We are a gospel church. We are built on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. We live and breathe. Our being is found in Jesus and him crucified and risen. There is nothing else that identifies us. Before I am a father or a papa or a pastor, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ because by grace he has saved me in the power of the gospel. We are a gospel church, just like the church in Acts. Second, not only do we have the same message, but you know what? We, we experience the same results. Notice verse 24. Paul spent all day connecting the dots between Jesus and Judaism. And Luke says, and some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. In fact, if we keep reading, others disbelieved and actually argued and got upset. You know, our study in Acts has covered almost 30 years. So much time has gone by. Almost 30 years. And the pattern that we have witnessed over and over again when the gospel is preached from Peter's sermon at Pentecost to Paul's sermon right here in verse 23 is that some reject it and some believe it. Gospel resistance, gospel rejection isn't a new phenomenon. If your friend in the neighborhood is rejecting the gospel you are sharing, that's not new. Paul understood what that was like. It's always been that Way. Why? Well, in part because exactly what Paul says here in verse 26 through 27, quoting from Isaiah 6 people's hearts are hard, their eyes are not opened to the truth of God. And so we should expect it. Paul did. 
Let's just look what he says. Notice verse 25. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Listen, I'm not going to get into the whole Israel church, Israel, Gentile, old covenant. new. I'm not going to get into that this morning. What I want us to see is that Paul experienced a severe negative reaction as he connected the dots between Judaism and Jesus. This is not the first time. But it's interesting that Paul says this. Well, why didn't Paul just go, yeah, pray for them? <laughs> They're deceived. I, I think when we read Paul's citing of Isaiah, I don't know this for sure, but a sanctified imagination can only wonder was his heart hurting? Was his heart hurting? Paul was a Jew. These are his people. The Jews, they are his family. They are his friends. They are his tribe, if you like that language. One can only imagine how deep Paul's desire every time he went to a synagogue was that those folks would believe. He knew he was the apostle to the Gentiles, but yet when he entered a city, he went to the synagogue. He went to his people. And over and over again, while some believed so many disbelieved. They rejected Christ. And when they did, Paul didn't charge God. He didn't interrogate God. He didn't try to intellectually figure out God. Paul understood the pattern as part of God's plan. He understood it from texts like Isaiah 6, which is what he is quoting from here. And he took comfort in it. He took comfort in his understanding of how God works in salvation. He trusted in the character of God. He, he let God be God by resting in God's ways, even when he didn't understand those ways. And listen, Nowhere is this more clear than Romans 9. <laughs> Go read it this week. Paul is a humble man. And in Romans 9, he realizes, guys, I can't answer all your questions. I just can't. It's okay to say, I don't know. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Here's my rest. God will have mercy on whom he chooses to have mercy. He is the potter. And he can do whatever he wants with the clay. I can't answer all of your deep questions. 
Because God doesn't give me the answer. I can tell you this, God does all things for his glory. I can tell you this, you and I, we are sinners, deserve, we already stand under judgment. Jesus didn't come into the world, John 3, 17. He didn't come into the world to judge. Why? Because we're already under judgment. He came into the world to save those under judgment. So I know that God is merciful and I do not deserve his mercy. In fact, I know that I am such a sinner. Did you read the letter I wrote to Ephesians the church in Ephesus? Chapter 2, verse 1, read it. I was dead in my sins and transgressions. I had no ability but God rich in mercy. I can't explain to you why this group of folk, I love them so much. They're my tribe. And through it all, Paul kept proclaiming Jesus. Never stopped. He knew some would believe. Some would reject. And so should we. (laughs) The results are the same. We preach Christ and him crucified. Some Reject it. Some believe it. We trust people's response to God. And we keep sharing Christ, knowing that that's how God is building his church, Romans 10. The whole book of Acts, go out and proclaim my son's name. And I will save those whom I will save. Paul doesn't get caught up in, well, let's talk about election, who's chosen and who's not. He leaves that to the Lord. He knows that Jesus came and the first, some of the first words out of his mouth after being baptized was, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. No qualifying. <laughs> he just said, repent and believe. And that's the line. If you're here this morning and you don't know, that's the line. The, 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 the message this morning is that you are a sinner in need of a savior. You, 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 your life has been and is being, no matter how good of a person you think you are, God is infinitely holy. <laughs> you can't be good enough for God. And our sin condemns us. Have you ever been angry at someone? You are condemned. Have you ever looked upon the opposite sex with any hint of love? You are condemned. But into the picture comes Jesus. Into the picture comes the gospel that says, if you believe, if you rest, if you trust in what I did with my life and my death and my resurrection, that is that I bore the judgment for your sin. If you believe that, if you believe in me, not just that I existed, but who I am, God the Son, and what I did, I gave up my life. If you believe, you will be saved. I want to encourage you, if you've never believed, that's the decision. You don't have to have the Bible figured out. 
You don't have to have Reformed theology down. (laughs) And if you do get it down, let me know, because I still haven't gotten it down. You turn to Christ. You bow the knee of your heart and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Be merciful to me. Be merciful to me. Listen, if you're on the other end of that, let me ask you a question. Have you stopped giving gospel-centered counsel to someone because they keep rejecting it? Have you quit sharing a gospel-centered perspective on a situation because the person keeps disagreeing with it? Have you stopped sharing the gospel with someone because no one you have ever shared the gospel with in the past has believed? Listen, allow the results and acts to make you hopeful in your life and ministry. You share the same gospel and the results are the same. Some will believe, some don't. Trust God with that pattern and give, keep giving them Jesus. Same message, same result, same mission. The final scene of Acts here may not have much razzle-dazzle, but it is glorious. Paul isn't globe-trotting and planting churches here. Luke doesn't mention a great move of the Spirit. But you know what's happening here? In this final scene, the Great Commission is happening. The gospel mission is being fulfilled. As Paul just pays his bills and talks to people about Jesus. The Great Commission is happening. Our mission's the same. You got bills? So does Paul. As a church, we, we are an extension of the mission in Acts. We are an extension of Acts we, in that we worship God with our lives personally and corporately by learning together to love Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We, we as an extension of Acts, we, we are devoted to, we heard it this morning, devoted to fellowshipping and caring for one another, living lives of glad obedience to Christ, who is our head. And maybe that includes helping someone pay a bill every now and then. As a church, we we are an extension of Acts as we take the message of the transforming power of the gospel to the world around us. Some may reject us, yes, but others will believe. How did you get here? (laughs) But God is in control. And he gets all the glory. 
This is the kind of church, the church we see in Acts, this is the kind of church that God is building right here, right now. He is. If this is the kind of church that you want to be a part of, the kind of church that we see in Acts, you found it. Well, that's arrogant, Pastor. No. No, because I know that no one in this room gets any of the glory for it. But I also know that despite our many perfections and our limitations, God is at work in you, in us, in our lives and ministry. We heard it this morning in a testimony. Hey, we moved away. We came back. One thing, friends left. Life changes. Circumstances are different. There is one thing that's the same, and that is we preach Christ and him crucified. You heard it from Mr. Anchorman's lips. And I'm so glad that that's what you want to anchor you into this church. Did you get that, Scott? God is building this church on the cornerstone of Christ. He is creating a community of worshipers that love the Bible. That cling to Christ. Knowing that however tight we cling, he's clinging tighter. He's building a church that loves to share our hope with the lost around us. He's building a church where we lovingly help each other in that mission. He's building that kind of church, a church just like the church in Acts right here. The story in Acts is being continued right here. Around the globe, yes. Around our city, yes. And right here. Listen, our, our lives as Christians and collectively as a church, and, 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 and this is a totally different series, but if I could just put a seed, I think one of the things that 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 that, that, that I want us to see us, and I think that I speak on behalf of the pastoral team to continually grow in, is to see that really, before it's I or me, it's we. God saves you personally, yes, but he saves you into his family. We all have the name of Jesus on the back of our jersey not our own. And I know, you know, our lives as Christians and collectively as a church can be difficult. It can be disappointing, right? I gave in to that sin again. My, my church isn't growing like I wish it would. Progress may be slow, perhaps even imperceptible at times. Acts has shown us that, Right? The church in Acts went through real 
I mean, they were almost destroyed from within by doctrine. Had to gather up the whole council. Ananias and Sapphira, they go to church, God strikes them dead because they're being dishonest. Church almost blows up in Acts 7 because of a feud between widows. Church leaders have to rush in, formulate a plan. Acts has shown us that that life can be difficult in the church. But you know what else it has shown us? That God's people can persevere in the spirit in their grand purpose of proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel in their worlds. We've seen it time and time again. So don't get sidetracked. Don't get frustrated. Just like an axe, God is building his church. Different people, different culture, different setting. Same message. Same results. Same mission. If I can have the worship team come up. The USS Midway. You ever heard of it? It's in the harbor in San Diego. It was commissioned in 1945. And it was the longest serving aircraft carrier in the 20th century. Uh, It was the flag, it was the flagship, it was the flagship for naval air forces in the Gulf. Over 3,000 combat missions. Didn't lose a single one. How's that for a record? 3,000 and 0. In, after its final uh, mission, it was decommissioned in 1992, and in 2004, it was put to harbor in San Diego. If you've ever been there, if, if you've ever had an opportunity to tour it, uh, it's amazing. If you've ever been any one of those, whether it's in Hawaii or in the Baltimore Harbor, or wherever it might be, wherever those ships are, they, they are, uh, they are uh, uh, amazing. They make you feel so small. They're floating cities. The history and the nostalgia is remarkable. The USS Midway has quite the storied past. But now, it's been relegated to a memorial, to a monument, sitting in a harbor with its glory days behind it. Church, we are not a memorial to the greater and more glorious days in Acts. Our mission is not over. The task, Luke makes it clear by the way he ended this, the task is unfinished. We are the unwritten to be continued. God's mission to display his manifold wisdom to the cosmos through the salvation of sinners and the building of his church is full steam 
ahead. Don't believe the headlines. Don't believe the internet. Don't believe the network news stations. It is full steam ahead. And you, we, as God's church, we are a living extension of what we have spent 14 months glorying over and being amazed by in the book of Acts. And so today, if you're wondering, how are we going to end 14 months in Acts? Here's how we are going to end it. In the most appropriate way that I can think of ending it, and that is adoration. Adoration to God with our prayers for this church. Adoration to God with our speech about this church. And right now, adoration to God with our voices. United as one. Not the church, but a church in God's family. A small local church that is extending the mission that we have seen in Acts of taking the gospel out there so that God will save sinners and add them in here. We can't control that. We don't have the power to make that happen. All we can do is get on board and be faithful to that mission knowing that God is up to it. God is still building his church. What God began before us, he is still working out through us until he comes back for us. And our ultimate hopefulness is knowing his work cannot be frustrated and he will not be sidetracked. He will see it to the end. He will complete what he began. And that's worth singing about.